everybody! This is No Chick Flick Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. Hi! Hi! I'm your other co-host, B. Welcome to our Supernatural Watchcast. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday. <laughs> well, wait. Or a Sunday. <laughs> or a Sunday when we actually, you know... Shh. Shh. Yeah, yeah, Shh. yeah. We're not... No illusions have been broken here. Knowing, knowing when I post uh the episode on sunday evening <laughs> eleven forty at night um <laughs> you know you're likely listening to this on monday so I- either way you know yeah happy 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 week happy life happy morning evening <laughs> afternoon like, ha- happy news <laughs> happy news I think I think we're just a little giddy, guys, because today, uh, this particular Thursday that we are recording this episode is um, happens to have just dropped us some very very tasty uh, supernatural I, news. Is it tasty or is it just funny? <laughs> it's like it's like one of those like foreign delectables that you that you're you're happy to say that you tried um but then you know you just you just did it once just for the experience yeah you don't need to do it again no no so what are we talking about uh for those who aren't actually listening to this (laughs) in the given week that we are recording it um supernatural is giving a spin-off, guys, and it's exciting. <laughs> it's getting a prequel. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. completely irrelevant to what we're talking about today in our supernatural watch cast. Except, except Except it's deeply relevant in how giddy. <laughs> It's it's made us late recording today. How about that? Yeah. Because we just couldn't stop marveling at the decision making that the Winchester's prequel is something that people were clamoring for. So that's a thing that happened. Yeah. If, if, if you want, <laughs> if for some, some unfathomable reason you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard about it, just Google, you know, Supernatural spinoff prequel. The, the Winchesters. Yeah, yeah. You'll see um, some familiar names attached to it. Mm-hmm. You'll see uh, some really exotic decision making in what they're going to make this show. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm very interested in what sort of train wreck develops out of this. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna pick it up and set it down over there. <laughs> Write a thank you note a couple weeks late. <laughs> like, uh-huh. great, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's mm-hmm. let's just say let's just say we we're we're surprised we're surprised that the bar was so low and still and yet. Mm-hmm. We had to dig a hole in order to limbo under it. Mm. <laughs> but that's 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 CW for you. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to see this 1970s Riverdale-esque take on John and Mary Winchester. No, we're fine. Hi, what? Remy. What episode are we covering today? No, no, no. You, you did, you did serve me like my favorite 
tagline for this proposed prequel and that would be um they they are serving us up wonder bread 50 years stale so <laughs> we're <laughs> We're just going to do that, I guess. No. So we're in a very, we're in a very supernatural mindset right now. So we're ready to (laughs) talk about today, season one, episode five, Bloody Mary. And you're only saying it once because once again, I'm in front of a mirror. And it's not that I'm superstitious. It's just that I am vulnerable to Spookum's emotions. <laughs> and and B has survived the curse that I placed upon her a, yep. a week ago. So much that's appreciated. Good. That's good news. Yep. I was glad that you answered my call today, B. Maybe this was the result of the curse. I don't know. <laughs> I think that I think that we were actually chatting yesterday, and I was like. Man, have you seen anything good on Tumblr recently? Curse. We're both just sitting there like, no, it's been kind of quiet. And then today it's just a pinata of bees that has just been broken open and exploded everywhere. It's so funny. (laughs) I'm having the time of my life. Oh, boy. Mm. So today we are talking about Bloody Mary uh it was an episode that was written by Ron Milbauer and Terry Hughes Burton uh with Eric Kripke so the same uh writing pair with uh Eric Kripke that we saw from episode 2 mm-hmm. 2 I, I don't know why I said it like that two, but 2 2 <laughs> that we saw from episode 2 it was directed by Peter Ellis, and the original air date was October 11th, 2005, because some for some reason my brain just forgot how to read short dates. So, <laughs> October 11th, 2005. All right. Yes. The synopsis for this episode reads... In suburban Nebraska, a group of partying high school teens jokingly dare their friend Charlie to... Oh, well, you know what? This this synopsis actually has nothing to do with with what actually happens I was going to say, I was like, Remy, I know we're not going for accuracy the majority of the time when it comes to Supernatural and what (laughs) it speaks about canon, but... We're a little ways off here. You're right. Okay, in my defense, I wrote the synopsis out before I actually watched the episode, so (laughs) I missed it. It could have been the episode. (laughs) And I get these synopses directly off the Supernatural Wiki, and, and it puts a big disclaimer up on the top that these are the official network release episode synopses. And there may be errors, but we're not allowed to correct them on the wiki, so. Oh my gosh. Because these are the the direct synopses from the network. So, sorry guys. In suburban Nebraska, wrong, a group of partying high school teens, wrong, jokingly dare their friend Charlie, wrong, to look into, anyways, to look into the mirror and repeat, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Not no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I 
I'm sorry. Wow. Look, it was in the synopsis. I was told not to alter the synopsis. Who was drunk when they wrote this? <laughs> not knowing this will unleash a series of mysterious murders. Sam and Dean realize that Bloody Mary has the power to travel through all reflective surfaces when she is hunting a victim. Worried that teens are accidentally summoning Bloody Mary, Sam and Dean race to destroy the violent spirit before she can kill again. Okay. (laughs) So on that note, we tune into Toledo, Ohio, where a gaggle of children (laughs) are playing Truth or Dare. (laughs) None of which are Charlie, our main um, no monster no. of the week protagonist for this episode. We follow a uh, Lily Shoemaker as she is dared to go whisper the name that shall not be spoken mm-hmm. into the bathroom mirror, and she does this three times. And her friends are outside the door, and they bang it at the perfect spooky moment and scare the crap out of her briefly. <laughs> but that's all that really comes of that with them in the moment. Um, things start to get more ominous when her dad tells them to quiet down. Yes, he calls down from the second story and um, asks them to keep it down. And then he's going back to his own bedroom to get ready for bed, presumably. And as he's walking down the hallway, uh, we see... A spirit, a very ring-esque, the Mm -hmm. omen, a woman with matted long black hair and a ratty, dirty um, nightgown or white dress of some sort. Um, Her hair is covering her face and she is looming ominously in the reflection of the mirrors uh that the uh, father passes as he's going down the hall me i'm just like who needs three mirrors in a single hallway but whatever and one of them is like a fisheye lens too i was like that's an inconvenient mirror but (laughs) i mean to each their own yeah he's stalked into the bathroom yes and he's like taking medication And then he starts feeling a little funny in front of that mirror. Yes, we see this creeping ripple veininess go through his his face like something something has entered his system in some way. And he 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 done croaks. He right. Something happens to him, and the last that we see is the older sister, Donna, returning. She's kind of chastising the younger kids on her way upstairs, and she sure enough finds her father dead in a creeping pool of blood that has dripped out from beneath the bathroom door. Yes, we cut to black on her horrified scream. Yes. And then it is time to join Sam in a nightmare that he is having of Jess on the ceiling once again. Yes, we've seen this before. Uh, Sam is reliving the moment of Jess's death, except um, this time the vision that he's having of Jess on the ceiling right before the fire consumed her. She's asking Sam why. Why, Sam? Yeah. And it's in these very stark blue tones. It, 
I, I think they did a good job of giving it just a little bit of a creepy vibe because mm-hmm. of how her eyes were sunken in and how her hair was just slightly moving. Like, I really dug how they transformed this scene that we've seen before. Yeah, I did like it. But Dean wakes Sam up from his nightmare and he has been drifting out in the car. It looks like they appeared at the morgue and they were parked there before Dean woke him up and Dean makes a point to say you know sooner or later we're gonna have to talk about this but Sam just changes the subject away from his nightmares yeah he also makes a quip about you know hey I had a nightmare but at least I got some sleep so we're we're still carrying through that Sam hasn't been sleeping well if he's been sleeping at all So Dean is rightfully concerned that he just can't keep going like this. Yeah, that it is not sustainable in any fashion, not any more than it was in episode two. Mm -hmm. But since Sam has changed the subject, um, we're looking at the victim of the week, which is Stephen Shoemaker, the dead dad. And um, when they go inside to the morgue, they introduce themselves as Ohio State med students that are writing a paper involving the body. And it's half their grade, you know? It's really important. But the attendant is not buying it until Sam pulls out his wallet. Right. They try to sell that, hey, the good doc said that we can come in. Um, can't we? Can't, can't you just help us out? No, the attendant is not is not having it until uh, Dean has to depart with his uh, hard-earned poker tournament winnings. Yeah, and it wasn't even his decision to part with it. Like you can see the horror that kind of flashes through him when he sees Sam lay down 520s in a row just neatly fanned out on the desk. And he makes a point of kind of pulling Sam back and being like, what are you doing? I earned that. And he sees it as valuable work, you know, winning poker games. But Sam just seems to take it for granted that this money happens to be here. Yeah. Yeah. We've got it. We can use it. And you're right. It wasn't Sam's money to give, but apparently he's keeping the pocketbook. Mm hmm. And it could just be, you know, Dean did win, you know, let's say 200 bucks then. Okay, half for you, Sam, half for me. But seeing it given away so frivolously, I think that's really something that we can explore in later episodes about how Dean really had to make ends meet whenever his father was away. And, you know, John didn't always leave the neat stack of 20s that were necessary to fill the time between when John left and when John returned. And it came up to Dean to figure out creative ways of stretching the money or indeed making some more. So this little quip here, um, although we don't have full context for it yet, it is um, one of the threads that are woven into this tapestry of Dean's relationship with money and the necessity to have enough to keep his brother in good standing in life. Oh, definitely. We're going to see a lot more through the series um, how Dean 
how much Dean sacrificed to uh, to shield his brother from such things that Sam can just be like, you know, instead of keeping pushing the point with this attending, trying to convince him to just mm-hmm. let them through, uh, to we'll skip to the easy part. Right. Right. To just bribe him and get the easy cooperation. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I do really like this beat just as it demonstrates, you know, Sam was taken care of well enough mm. that he never really had to take on the money woes the same way that Dean did. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to go check out the body now. And the case details are dropped. Um, the dad's eyes were practically liquefied. And the official death describes it as being from intense cerebral bleeding. Yeah. Maybe a stroke. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe a stroke, maybe an aneurysm, you know, with stroke victims, you see bloodshot eyes, but, and then Sam says, well, but do you see them like that? We have seen the body now and his eyes are completely gone, just bloodied sockets. Uh, Mm -hmm. And haven't seen anything like that before. And that's when Sam and Dean share a look and then take their leave. Yeah. They're like, okay, this is kind of weird. And um, they do pay to see the police report. Mm -hmm. And um, they kind of debate on their way out the door whether there is a case here. And Dean is arguing that, you know, in Dad's long history of checking out fucked up deaths, how often was it just a fucked up death? Right. Sam is saying maybe it was just a freak medical thing. Dean challenges, uh, how often is it just a freak medical thing? Like, a yeah. freak medical thing in our world is code for horrible supernatural murder. Yeah, some sort of spookums was involved. So we aren't going to give this one up just yet. We have to dig a little deeper and see what exactly is liquefying eyeballs out there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I liked this beat because, you know, they have pulled this case just because of something that pinged as weird in the obituary for a single man somewhere in nowhere, Ohio. And Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska. As the synopsis says. And also Toledo is probably the third biggest city in Ohio, but shh, it's okay. But Toledo is where Eric Kripke's from. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Anyways, so I liked I liked this walk and talk where Dean is saying, in all the cases that we've seen, how often is it really just a freak medical thing? And the way that he's presenting it, it's like freak medical thing is just what the normies do to to explain away the things that they don't understand. We know yeah. better, so we need to look into this. Yeah, and they, they heard as much from the morgue attendant where he was like, I don't know, it could be this. We're calling it to do with the cerebral hemorrhaging, but mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's enough. Dean's like, we've got something here. We have a trail we have to figure out. So let's go talk to the daughter then, because if the guy's dead, then his family's the next place. Next best place. Yeah. So they come up to the house during the uh, funeral wake. 
the service yeah. for uh for the father looking severely underdressed in you know leather jacket in their hoodies like <laughs> right everyone's dressed for a funeral but that they don't let that deter them they find donna the elder sister in the backyard sitting with what looks to be a few friends of her age and her sister and a Lily. few huge wine glasses i will say <laughs> also you, you know what i i mean it doesn't really matter but yeah they seem significantly older than lily the um the kid that was having the summer party at the beginning of the the episode and we learn shortly that she's 12 um so i i assumed that donna was you know some sort of college aged but then we see later um donna and her friends in this like high school setting so yeah i don't know if that was supposed to be college or if he if eric Kripke doesn't know how like emancipation works like i don't know <laughs> i i took them as being like 16 year old 17 year olds somewhere in there you know like seniors in high school well is this 17 year old does does a 17 year old now have a custody of her 12 year old sister and ownership of the house that both her parents died in Yes, maybe there's an aunt or an uncle or some sort of sibling to a deceased parent involved. But yeah, I I get what you are saying that it's we're left with an indeterminate age there, mm-hmm. and um, initially it plays older, and then we find out later that oh no, like they're in high school, and you know if one of these friends spoilers killed an eight year old two years back, like they must have just been on their learners' tournament if that was the case. I don't know. I don't know if I should try to take this as like a college setting rather than a high school setting because I mean like there are there are chem labs in college. That's a thing. But that's definitely not the vibe that I'm getting from this. Which yeah. is it's you know, it's 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 whatever. If they are in high school then you know what's a little underage drinking at a funeral. Yeah, I mean, if there's any time to do it, uh-huh. you're kind of justified there. Mm, she, she gets a pass. The orphan gets a pass. I feel really shitty right now. <laughs> I'm a bad person. Anyways, um, so we have Donna, her friends uh, are outside, and Sam and Dean approach, and they are asking their questions in that unique way that they do. You know, so, hey, yeah, we worked with your dad. I'm so sorry to hear what happened. Uh, man, a stroke, right? That, what a, what a bummer. So, did he, uh, have any previous symptoms of brain aneurysms? That's not weird. They're so predictable. Hmm. And Donna's kind of looking there like, uh, no, but her younger sister Lily is like, it wasn't a stroke. It was because of the chanting that, you know, they summoned the faceless one and uh, she <laughs> had her way. Aww. I'm sorry. The faceless one is what I tend to call um, my parents Siri because, of course, they have the technology in their house, but. I really don't want to summon her by talking about her. And uh-huh. I feel like the antagonist of this episode falls in the same category in my brain. This applies. Which is speaking more about 
the mechanical device than it is about the spirit. No, no, this 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 totally applies. I like it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Lily uh is adamant that uh, she is at fault for her father's death and um, Donna tries to say tries to cut her off to say no like you don't know what you're talking about you didn't do anything it's fine uh, but Sam and Dean that's got their ears pricked up so why would she think that they're trying to uh, comfort her while also prying for inf- information more yeah. with the weird questions um, and Sam is asking Lily why why would you think that why would you think it was your fault and lily says because she said it she summoned the faceless one and and like her dad's eyes are gone and that's what the faceless one does so two and two connect really well in this 12 year old's brain donna's trying to apologize for her sister like she doesn't she's just having a really hard time right now um but hearing the name of this urban legend is okay that's good enough for sam and dean to work off of yeah they decide to head inside and kind of snoop around at the death scene and you know they're still a little bit puzzled because if the dad didn't say it then how come he was targeted but um there's also the question, and I was like, this is quite amusing to me, where Dean's like, did dad ever get to the root of, like, the Bloody Mary legend? And I'm mm-hmm. like, did your dad just, like, take a gap gear where he investigated everything urban legend, whether or not there was a case involved? Yeah. Like, the very first thing they say is the Bloody Mary legend is everywhere there are a hundred different stories so kids play this game all the time why here why now um this you know something something this widespread it doesn't make sense like people don't die from this it's just an urban legend yeah but But yeah the john the john thing i was like did he just at one point have an encounter with the fucking Mothman and then he's like, <laughs> I gotta see what else is out there? I gotta make a couple Wikipedia pages, guys. <laughs> but yeah, they are like, okay, if there's a bunch of different stories, there's a bunch of different ways she can come about. And people play this game all the time and don't die. Um, is it really connected to her? But they're still kind of debating it because the guy died right in front of a mirror. So they'll mm-hmm. check it out as a potential lead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as they're still in the bathroom, they hear approaching footsteps and they try to make a hasty exit. But uh, to meet them is one of the uh, friends that we saw sitting with Donna uh i believe it was um i charlie was it charlie yep it was charlie okay what was the other one's name jill jill that's okay i was like it wasn't donna donna was donna okay (laughs) so there's donna jill and charlie and Charlie is the one that confronts Sam and Dean in the house to say, like, why are you asking weird questions? Who are you? What are you doing up here? Start talking or I'll start screaming because you guys are super sus. Yeah, exactly. 
And so from this interrogation, they do end up admitting that they think that the dad was killed by something else and they want to avoid it happening to someone after, you know, another mm-hmm. victim. So they, um, so Sam gives her their number so that she can call them if anything sus- happens after this. Right, right. Like, we'll be going. If you think of anything or if you see anything, let us know. Yeah. So they skedaddle and we cut into the discussion scene where they're going over how the legend of Bloody Mary has many different versions, but they don't have too much of a through line except died in front of a mirror. So they're going to look into local deaths to see if there's any that fit that criteria. Of a Mary who died in front of a mirror. Right. Always a woman named Mary. Always that she died in front of a mirror. The motivations or the cause of death are varied. The It, it could be one of 500 different people or stories. But, you know, there's something to go off of here. We just have to go through the archives, you know. If she's in this town, then... Well, we have to have a short range that we're looking around. Exactly. If there are deaths happening here, then she then she must be here and this is the origin of Bloody Mary and the rumor just spread. So there has to be similar deaths to what happened to Steve. Mhm. Unfortunately, and- the, <laughs> unfortunately, this is going to be super annoying to search back as far as the records will go because the computers are down. Yeah. They stop at the library being like, okay, you know, we'll start digging into the archives. Oh, no! (laughs) They basically are confined to Sam's laptop in the motel, trying to dig through things on there. Right. But... In the meantime, um, we cut to Jill and Charlie. Um, Charlie's driving home. Jill is at her house and they're chatting on their cell phones. And they're discussing the guys. Um, it's kind of cute, you know. But, like, the whole Bloody Mary angle is um, brought up. And Jill is kind of antagonizing Charlie for believing in it. Right, right. Charlie is saying, I don't know, those guys were just asking the weirdest questions and like, what's with this Bloody Mary thing? And Jill is is mocking her. Do I hear fear in your voice? Mm-hmm. Do you actually believe this? Gosh, you're such a freak. Come on. Um, but I really liked the dialogue. Like it oh, felt dated, but also like honest. <laughs> Well, You're such then, a freak. Let's do this. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, then I'm sorry for uh, mucking up the uh, the order of events here because Jill is making fun of Charlie for for even entertaining this idea of the Bloody Mary, and so Jill goes to stand in front of her own bathroom mirror. And in mocks Charlie say, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And she does. She chants the name in the mirror 
we have this beat of dead silence where we see Charlie getting more and more anxious as Jill <laughs> doesn't respond. And then a, a scream and then a laugh because, ugh, gosh, what are you even, what are you even talking about? This is. Yeah, I can't believe I got you with this. That was so easy. Right. And she hangs up shortly after that, but um, the mirrors in her room now have that spirit shadow appearing in them behind her as she prepares for bed. And eventually, in the bathroom, her reflection falls out of sync with her, mm -hmm. and she gasps, her eyes starting to bleed. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't seen that, you know that mirror trick done in 50 other horror movies, I would have, I mean, it probably would have got me more than it did here because I was like, they did a good job. That was pretty creepy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I did like that. Um, you could see Jill's initial reaction was that it was her reflection, but the yeah. bleed was actually on the opposite side of her face. So it was just further solidifying for us that this is something in the mirror that is imitating her, but it is not her at yeah. all. It's not something she's imagining. It's happening. And sure enough, um, her reflection is saying, you did it. You killed that boy. And Jill starts to choke and collapses as her reflection smirks on. Yes. Bleeding from the eyes. Yes. So cut to another nightmare with Sam. And Dean let him sleep, much to Sam's chagrin. Yes. Why did you let me go to sleep? And Dean says, because I'm a great brother. But you see him still giving some concerned looks because, I mean, like, this, again, this can't go on. Yeah. If this is happening every time. Right. It's not healthy. But... Dean has kept looking as Sam was out, and he hasn't really found anything. There was a couple of dead women and a guy who died by a mirror, but um, since that's not bringing up any leads, he has also looked for strange deaths outside of their criteria, and it still is nothing in the area. Right. Nothing, nothing that would concretely tie a death in the town to the Bloody Mary myth as the Bloody Mary spirit and no similar deaths that could be attributed to the Bloody Mary MO. So mm -hmm. they are just coming up with nothing. Yeah. But right at this moment, Sam's cell starts ringing and um, we cut to them meeting Charlie in person and she is crying freaked out about Jill, who we find out has died from, like, the night before. Right. And she died just like Steve did. Her eyes were gone, and she had said it. She, Charlie yeah. heard her. She had said the name. Yeah. So they really come to Charlie and ask her to help them. And so she does sneak them into Jill's room and they turn the lights off and they start reviewing the space with their night vision camera. An old camcorder. Mm -hmm. Oh, A camcorder. Night vision. EMF. Uh, they're trying to puzzle it out because, you know, in the first attack... 
the victim hadn't been the one to summon the spirit, but then uh, in Jill's case, she she was the one to summon the spirit. So, what is why them? Why are they the yeah. victims? What's tying this all together? And as Sam is uh, sweeping the room with this night vision camera in the bathroom in front of the mirror that Jill died in front of, um, we see, or he sees uh, some some smudge on the wall that looks like uh, a dripping blood or something that he yeah. can't see himself. Yeah. And so he pulls the mirror down. Um, they go and fetch a black light from the trunk of the car, which I'm like, did you guys just happen to have that because you stay in motels so often? You just wanted to know. <laughs> okay, but... no. From what we know about from what we know about Dean and his slight like germophobia tendencies, mm-hmm. there's no way there's no way that he hasn't learned to remove himself from that space. Yeah. <laughs> he, he can't think about it. Actually, projects from his body. He's like. I pretend not to see it. Right. He cannot look at that too closely. So I think that the black light is it's just for work. Yeah. Okay. And I know we're going to reveal what we find on the back of the camera or we find on the back of the mirror, but we would be remiss to skip over Dean's whole, he turns his back. He does this coquettish look over his shoulder Uh and he says do i look like paris hilton and like winks at the camera i'm like what are you doing what are you doing dean like i love it but (laughs) he's being a little snot i know but like there was just something about the way he turned his shoulder and like dropped his eyes like had this hooded bedroom look i was like oh my god (laughs) This wasn't a joke. You were really channeling Paris for a second there. Oh my god. Yeah, making a joke about the night vision. And Paris, yeah. you know, the Paris Hilton event was very relevant at that time. Yeah, one night in Paris. Mm-hmm. But back to the story at hand. Um, the backing of this mirror has a bloody handprint and the name Gary Brineman smudged out or smeared in blood. Yes. Yes. And we have a bit of a time skip, but we cut back to um, Charlie, Dean, and Sam consulting over this name that they found. And it turns out uh, Gary Bryman was a eight-year-old boy who died in a hit-and-run. The... The culprit was never found, but reports say that the vehicle was a black Toyota Camry. And Charlie is aware immediately that Jill drove that type of car. And so they put two and two together to say that, oh my God, she killed that boy. Yes. So, Okay, that's sort of one big lead. Let's go see what lead we have into Donna's dad. So they get Charlie to help them go back into Donna's house. And um, they see on the back of the mirror, again, that bloody handprint, as well as the name Linda Shoemaker. 
who supposedly OD'd on sleeping pills, according to Donna. But um, the way Sam, Dean, and Charlie react is, oh my god, could her dad have killed her mom? Yeah, yeah. So these are two big secrets, and um, that is what is decided as the the thread that ties everything together right yeah it, it there's a lot of um there's a lot of lore out there on the significance uh, or the power of mirrors how it reflects your soul or your secrets back to you and um so what if Mary as a spirit that lives within mirrors, she sees your deepest, darkest secret in this case, something that has led to another person's death and, uh, then punishes you for it. Yeah. So Dean has opted to do a nationwide search for possible Marys who died in front of mirrors and like you said, Sam is connecting the pattern to vict- the victims having been people with secrets where another person had died. Mm-hmm. And the search um, brings up a Mary Worthington, who is an unsolved murder from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And they take on the guise of reporters and go ask the retired Detective Jackson for details about the case. Yeah, and Jackson always had a suspicion of what really happened to Mary Worthington, but he could never prove it, never pin it down. Uh, Mary died from a home invasion attack and her eyes were surgically removed and big yikes a big yikes big yikes and as she bled to death uh she tried to uh, leave a message on the mirror on the wall that she was bleeding out in front of and we see as the detective is showing us the old case files, a picture of Mary Worthington in front of a big wall mirror. And we see her bloody handprint on the glass and very reminiscent to the, uh, the finger painting that we saw on the back of the victim's mirrors. Mary Worthington was trying to what the detective suspects is write out the name of her killer. Yeah, she got as far as T-R-E before she was unable to complete the name. And um, apparently in her diaries, um, she had referred to a guy she was seeing God, that is a train. <laughs> the train, the choo-choo. It made it. Quick cameo. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys can tell, but this episode, this particular episode is very go, go, go. Yeah. Scene, scene, scene. Uh, yeah, we have a feature length film. We're fitting into 40 minutes. Yeah, that's one thing that I noticed about this episode was just the sheer number of scenes and and um and location changes and cuts that we have. 
And kind of like in Wendigo, we're getting some big information dumps. Yeah. And this whole surgical cuts to her eyes, this T person that she was seeing, according to her diary, um, the detective thinks that it was a local surgeon, Trevor Sampson, who cut her up. But there's no evidence for it. Um, The guy has passed away. And when they ask about it, Mary Worthington, they also find, has been cremated. So there's not even any bones to salt and burn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sam does ask about the mirror, though. And Mm -hmm. uh, if, if that is still around and turns out that it has been kept in the family... So that is something that they can try to chase down. Yeah. So we cut to Charlie and Donna now at school. Donna's a bit peeved with her for inviting these two weird guys back to her house to ask more personal questions about her mother's death this time. And um, no matter how Charlie tries to convince her, Donna just doesn't buy into the severity of the Bloody Mary myth. And so she chants the name three times into the mirror before she can be stopped. And now it appears that Charlie is the one being stalked by the shadow in the reflections around the school. Oh my God. I'm like, they're in the bathroom. Donna starts chanting. Uh, it tackle that bitch. Come on. <laughs> like she, Donna, Donna thinks that she's playing a joke or just proving a point. And, mm-hmm. and Charlie is legitimately like fearful for, if not her own life, her friend's life. And it, uh, she just stands there two feet away. Like, no, Donna, don't. Oh, I know. And like, I could see, okay. She kind of has a get out of jail free card for the fact that her dad just died, but I'm kind of with you where it's like, you could tackle her. You could do something. Uh huh. Yeah. But it's too late. It's time for chemistry class. <laughs> Charlie is checking herself in her compact mirror. And she freaks out because, hey, look, there's the shadow. She gets up. She looks in the window. She sees the reflection there. Her professor slash high school teacher comes over and is like, what's wrong? And she sees the reflection in his glasses. And it's just time to just lose it. Yes, yes, she is. And another thing that I think that they did a good job of with um, the horror, or the spookiness aspect of this episode was on the times that we do see Mary stalking her victims through the reflections, um, it really does a good job of like every time that she reappears, she's just that little bit closer. And yeah. And it just rackets up the tension in a good way. Yeah. And did you know this professor slash high school teacher is in two other episodes of Supernatural as different characters? He looks so familiar. I, I, I did look at him and I'm like, hey, bud, I don't know who you are, <laughs> but bud, were you in like an ABC family show? This is 2005. I got to adjust my expectations on where I know you from. He could very well be in, like, Lifetime Channel movies, you know, like the big Christmas specials. I wouldn't put it past him. I, yeah, yeah. So who who is this actor? Tell me more. 
Okay, I don't have his name because good luck retaining that when uh-huh. we have Riverdale Winchesters afoot. <laughs> but he was in Wishful Thinking. He played the depressed bear. No. And he was in LARP and the Real Girl. He played the Shadow King or whatever. So, so one of the LARPers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So they liked him enough that they brought him back a couple times. <laughs> the bear doesn't count. I wouldn't recognize no, him. No. I feel like <laughs> if you don't see the face, then it's hard to point and say, like, that was me. That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. But, okay, she's having her meltdown at school. Sam and Dean are looking into the mirror's history, and it turns out that it was sold one week ago to an antique shop in Toledo. So, hey, this is looking like an even better lead. Um, Is there maybe some lore around ghosts getting trapped in mirrors? Maybe this is what happened to Mary. And so the thought is if they find the mirror and smash it, they could potentially save the day. Yes. Charlie ends up calling them for help, and so they pick her up and they take her to the motel, and they put a real hustle on putting away all reflective surfaces, um, covering up the TV, taking down mirrors, covering up anything glass or reflective. Yeah. And Sam is sitting beside her and trying to comfort her while also being like, if you don't look in any surface that shows a reflection, you should be fine. She can't get you that way. Right, right. But Charlie says, I can't keep that up forever. I'm going to die, aren't I? And yeah, no, they're going they're, they're gonna save her, but they do need to know what happened. Yeah, they need some sort of long-term plan. And Dean is kind of reading through the lines here that if Charlie's afraid that she's going to be targeted and they have already posited that Bloody Mary is only targeting people who have a secret that involves someone dying. Um, so Dean asks her for this secret where someone got hurt. Yeah. And it turns out that it was her boyfriend. Charlie did nothing wrong. I agree. They had a fight. They broke up. He threatened to kill himself if she left. And she was just like, go ahead and left because... Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Um, the very first thing she says about this ex-boyfriend was, I really loved him, but he kind of scared me, too, you know? Like, get the fuck out! Yeah, f- the red alarm bells were ringing. Mm-hmm. Well, so, but she feels that his suicide was her fault, because how could she not, how could she have said something so cruel? How could she have not have known mm-hmm that he that he could really have done that um so she obviously feels blame for what happened yeah and uh, as sam and dean now leave her in the relative safety of the motel room they're heading to the antique shop that holds the mirror and they're talking about what they know and dean is saying um this isn't really, you know, if her boyfriend killed himself, this isn't, re- that wasn't her fault. Thank you, Dean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> agreed. Uh, agreed. Uh, but Sam says, well, you know, spirits don't really deal in shades of gray. What Mary sees is that Charlie has a secret and someone ended up dead for it. So, yeah. And 
I will also say this absolves, this potentially absolves the father, Steve Shoemaker, because if his wife overdosed on uh, sleeping pills, the they were working on the assumption that he may have killed her. But mm-hmm. if now we see what Charlie is being targeted over, perhaps Mary saw Steve as somehow perpetuating uh, yeah. his wife's depression when, and that's well, his blame. Well, I kind of took it with, like, how we saw him taking some pills. So I took it as, like, he was taking some sleeping pills. And so it could have been, like, his prescription mm. that his wife used but hadn't used it properly, like, mixing medications with someone who doesn't have the prescription mm-hmm. or, you know, just... Again, that's reading too deeply into what I'm sure is a fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants type plot mm-hmm. line. But I'm, I'm with you that it's not clear-cut that Jill or Steve were in the wrong. Like, we, we don't know the details around what happened with Jill and the eight-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, it could have those shades of gray as well, but we'll never know because... Mary doesn't care. Right, right. And Sam is concerned now that Mary can jump mirrors, so they need to summon her to one specifically, the one that they believe was hers, the one that she died in front of, and then they'll smash it in order to get rid of her. Right, they need to pin her down in some way because, you know, they're really just working off of an assumption that smashing the mirror will release her spirit because typically they'll find the bones and salt and burn them. That's not the case here. She seems to be tied to some other object. So they're worried that, you know, if she can just travel through the mirrors and they need to be able to pin her down in some way. Yeah. And so if the only way they know to bring her to a mirror is by chanting her name three times, they need someone who can do that. And Sam volunteers himself as bait um, because of Jess. And that just sets Dean off. He pulls the car right over. Yes, because Sam has to stop doing this. Yeah. He has to stop blaming himself. Dean is putting the line in the sand here. He knows that Sam is grieving Jess, but he has to stop blaming himself for her death. There's nothing he could have done. Yeah. Like if he wants to blame something, he should blame the thing that actually killed Jess. Or right. blame or hell. Him. Like Right. Oh, Dean the little martyr here is saying like you could just blame me because I'm the one that dragged you away. But Sam feels like he should have warned her and Sam is also admitting here um, he hasn't told Dean everything around Jess's death because Dean rightfully points out you know it's a secret where somebody died you don't have a secret and Sam in a little shit brother way is like you don't know everything Mm -hmm. and he won't tell Dean now because the secret is necessary if they're going to use him as bait Right, right. So Dean apparently doesn't know all the facts about what Sam is carrying regarding uh, Jess's death. 
and and that worries Dean, him. Yeah, it does. It does. He he tries to demand it at that moment. Like, well, what are you talking about? Tell me. But Sam doesn't because he has to keep the secret. So. And that kind of um, goes to what we were seeing with um, the gap between who Sam expects Dean to be and who Dean actually is. Um, we've seen it in episode three, especially how Sam is like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that when it comes to things that Dean is saying about himself. And now mm-hmm. we're kind of seeing the other side of the coin now that Dean is almost taken aback that there are things about his brother that he doesn't know. Like, there, it's just this reminder that, you know, they have had a couple years apart and now he has a little brother who is actively keeping secrets from him. Right, which which alarms him. Yeah, because he didn't even see that on the radar, you know? He just yeah. thought that Sam was having nightmares and that was the thing to worry about. Now Dean has kind of realized there's this whole new thing to worry about. His little brother can lie to him effectively. Yes, yes, very good point. Yeah. And we have Dean arguing against this self-sacrificing, half-baked, suicidal, self-martyr plan. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, hey, season one, Dean, you're like (laughs) a reasonable person. (laughs) You have no idea what's coming. It was funny to me to see Dean arguing against the self-sacrificing plan, but then again, when it's Sam up as bait, Sam on the chopping block, um, Dean's never that's okay. pretty in character. Yeah. Yeah, Dean's never okay. But Sam is saying that they're doing this, so just let him do this, and Dean reluctantly has to abide by this. Well, right, because Charlie has already been targeted she is going to die and who knows how many other people can die if they don't do something they are the people that have to do something so so they're doing it yeah they need to act now right so they drive to the antique shop sam picks the locks and inside is about a million mirrors to search through right right i think this collector has a fetish yeah but there's something afoot there. He's like, gold rim. <laughs> but Sam and Dean split up, and we see that a silent security alarm has been tripped. Um, Dean is kind of wondering out loud into this shop, you know, maybe did the guy sell the mirror again? But Sam has found the mirror that Mary Worthington died in front of, and there's no backing down. Sam chants Bloody Mary three times with his crowbar raised. Yes. But outside, a car approaches, and Dean has to go to handle it. Smash anything that moves. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, mirrors aplenty. (laughs) Well, one one thing that I found really... One thing that I liked about this and my season 15 full supernatural veteran brain was spiraling on in this scene where 
both Sam and Dean stand in, are standing in front of this mirror while Sam chants Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. I so, I so wanted Bloody Mary to target Dean instead of Sam. Well, and it's great that you mentioned that because we do see, like, not too long later from here, mm-hmm. um, when she does come after Sam, um, Dean is likewise affected. Yes, yes, that is very true. I liked that because when they were both standing, we could see both their reflections in the mirror while Sam was chanting Bloody Mary. One part of me was like, Dean, you might want to take a big step back, buddy. (laughs) Do you want to be in the area of this as it goes off? (laughs) Right. What kind of secrets are you keeping? Um, uh, Which I wish that they had made a nod to. Uh, but yeah. but they kind of did. You're right. I didn't consider that. That, you know, in the climax of of the hunt, Mary does go after both of them. And on the surface level, that's like, you know, she's being threatened by the pair of them. So she's attacking the both of them. But one thing that we know about spirits is that they're pretty limited to their own you know, superstition. Right, exactly, their own superstition. So the fact that she was able to attack Dean when, you know, if he was an innocent in her mind, I don't think that he yeah. he would have been affected yeah. by her. Yeah, so that raises a very interesting question. Um, we'll bridge our gap really quickly there. So um, mm-hmm. Sam is on high alert. The shadow is moving behind him. He starts smashing mirrors. Outside, Dean says that he's the boss's kid, and, you know, I accidentally (laughs) tripped the alarm, and they're like, oh, you're Mr. Yamashiro's son? And you can see just Dean's face being like, pardon? (laughs) Like, (laughs) he doesn't have time for this, but, so he punches out both security guards and rushes back inside. I'm telling you, I was adopted. (laughs) Like, he just, bless him, he commits with charisma. (laughs) He does. He does. And, and to his credit, we've got the two security guards sharing a look over his uh, shoulder. But it's funny in that he really is charming his way out of it because they're not arresting him. They're just like, oh, come on, this, this yeah, kid. Yeah, they're like, really? They're listening. Uh-huh. They're not on high alert. And that really lends to Dean's ability to now sucker punch both of them and skedaddle back yeah. inside. Right, because at the time, Sam is fighting for his life. He yes. sees Mary um, stalking him through the mirrors in the antique shop, but he is caught by her uh, as he's distracted by the other reflections. And he is he starts to bleed like the other victims did, and Bloody Mary, as Sam's reflection in her mirror is taunting Sam as she's draining him. Yeah. So he might have her in her original mirror, but she's the one that has all the power in the moment. Mm -hmm. And this taunting that you mentioned, like she, as his detached reflection, is telling him that he killed her. Like he killed Jess. And it wasn't just that you know, she died under his watch, however you want to find that, but that 
Sam had nightmares beginning before Jess died about her murder. Yes, yes. This is the bomb drop. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's not just what we assumed. It's not just what we thought. And that Sam is blaming himself because he didn't protect Jess because he didn't tell her all the truth of what could be out there. It's not that guilt alone. He was having these nightmares days before she died. As Mary is saying in the mirror, you knew it would happen and you did nothing. Yeah. And that's really the core of Sam's guilt now is that he was having these prophetic dreams as it turns out, but he didn't act on them. He just left kind of when the worst was upon him. And by the time he was back, he was too late to do anything to protect her. Yeah. So Mary sees his guilt and is punishing him for it. Yeah. And so as Sam falls to his knees, Dean does appear and he smashes his crowbar into the original mirror. Um, He checks on Sammy and Sam's like, it's Sam. (laughs) So So he's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. He's well enough that he can get back up on his feet. And they're kind of limping their way out of the antique shop when Mary starts to crawl out of her mirror. Now almost in detached from the surface she was stuck in before. Yes, yes. So they had theorized that as she died, her spirit was trapped in the mirror itself. And so she was confined to these, to travel through these reflective surfaces because that's the only realm that she could operate in. But instead of smashing the, the mirror, releasing and I guess destroying her spirit it released her spirit to now operate in our world. Yeah. And she crawls out from the frame of the mirror. We see her clawed hands and her jerky movements. It's very the ring clawing out of the TV. Yeah, we have a Samara spinoff happening right now. Oh, yes. And she crawls after them and... This is where both Sam and Dean fall to their knees, their eyes bleeding. And yeah, so I I sat on here, I was trying to think, you know, was this just the writers being like, it's going to be more action-driven if both the brothers succumb to her? Or is this something that speaks to Dean? Or is it maybe something um, that is adding to... Mary in her final moments um, realizing that she has been killing people and basically keeping that a secret. Yeah, I think that in all reality, it was just, again, Mary ramping up the tension, ramping up the action that now both of the Winchesters are helpless here against her and there's no one coming to save you now. Uh, and what are they going to do now? This isn't what was supposed to happen. So 
there there's that um but from a meta standpoint i think it's much more interesting to consider that uh the only reason why she was able to draw on dean in the same way that she was drawing on sam was because dean has you know dean himself is not an innocent in what she perceives as Mm -hmm. these murderers in her eyes yeah yeah and i think that there is kind of ample room in dean's backstory where you could place something like this like it could be as simple as a hunt went wrong and dean blames himself for a victim who died or it could be something more sinister than that. Um, we get a good spectrum that we could play with here um, if we take it, like you're saying, that this is Dean falling under mm-hmm. Mary's rules of victims and not just the writers being like, ah, this will be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I will choose to read it our way because our way is the better way. It's more engaging. It's more compelling to think of Dean as someone who has this in his backstory and has maybe suppressed it to the point where he's not thinking about it. Like it could be just one of those memories that he can't handle. And so this compartmentalization he's so strong at in the beginning of the show um, is, you know, has that all locked down tight. Yeah. who Whose name would be written on the back of his mirror? I do wonder. Yes, exactly. It's a curious question and it's fun to kind of contemplate. Agreed. I didn't think about, I thought about it as Sam was chanting Bloody Mary. I'm like, oh, this would be cool if that happened. And then yeah. you're the one who said, well, you know what? It did, though. It did, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm with you. Like, the way that they framed it, it could have been a really interesting twist where um, Dean all of a sudden is the one that is held captive by the mirror. Yeah. But the episode you could see, they were really gearing towards sam the protagonist and like sam with the dark secret right. that is going to come to light and it's a gray area whether dean could see mary acting as sam in the mirror and overhear this um i feel like he probably would just see his brother kneeling and the shadow of mary in the mirror but yeah it raises a question of like how much is what she do what she is doing um just visible to her victim um or did dean maybe just come in a second too late to hear what she revealed and he smashed the mirror at that time no no i like that too because let's think of mary's mirror as the mirror of is as Ezrid, Ezrid, the Harry Potter <laughs> mirror that shows you only you, your world's greatest desire. Mm-hmm. And, um, and here, if we have Dean walking up on Sam, um, he, Dean would only see uh, Sam's reflection or the shadow of Mary herself in the mirror while what sam is saying is his own reflection of his own guilt yeah 
where Dean wouldn't see that because it's not his guilt. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to like that chemistry Mm -hmm. classroom scene where we have Charlie freaking out, but no one seems to understand why. Like that reinforces that really the victims are the only ones who can see Mary and she is confronting them and them alone about the things that they're guilty for. Yeah. Yeah. Man, man, guys, you almost wrote a good horror movie here. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if you just thought it through a smidge more. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen just just a short shot from Dean's perspective. Sam kneeling in front of the mirror with Mary hovering over him through the mirror, juxtaposed to what Sam himself was saying. Yeah. That would have helped illustrate exactly what they wanted but maybe they were going with the gray area um the room for interpretation that we liked so much in episode three um there is some jumps between um leaving the space for the unexplained to remain unexplained but I don't know. Sometimes that you just sit there and you're like, God, it would be nice to just have that half second shot uh-huh. to cement down what this is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And mm-hmm. before we move on, this is the moment of the episode. This is the reveal, the whole point of the episode. Yeah. We hear from the reflection of Sam's guilt that it Sam was having these prophetic visions about Jess's death. How did you, what was your reaction in this moment? Did you know that this happened? I completely forgot this happened. And so it was like a fresh punch when I heard it. I was like, oh, damn. Like that became really engaging. And, you know, the question of what are they going to do with that moving forward was raised and I was really interested in it just because I forgot that it existed. I did too. Exactly what happened to you happened to me. I didn't know that this was coming. I didn't know that I didn't recall that um, Sam felt that he knew that Jess was going to die. This is the reveal of, mm-hmm. of maybe some sinister force or some latent power in Sam mm-hmm. that we now get to speculate on. Um, it was a huge reveal. And I was just kind of like, uh, you know, like we said, this episode is very action heavy, very plot heavy, very go, go, go. So I'm sitting here, I'm just taking notes, taking notes, taking notes like a storm. And then when this happened, I immediately just like sat up and I was like, whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It raised so many questions. Like you said, is it latent powers? What is it? Is it something external getting involved? All those questions immediately were attached to Sam, who up to this point was, you know, the normie who's been pulled into the life. And now it's like, okay, this normie has some secrets. And, like, what do they mean? What does it mean? And what a secret it is, yes. Yes. Yeah. This episode, I mean, well, this moment made me hungry for more instantly. Yeah. Yeah. This was the hook being like tune in next week yes yes we have had 
you know, this is episode five of the first season. We're, we've been building the these relationships, this world. This episode was a, the real, like, secondary hook to the pilot episode. Yeah. And this was also the episode that allowed the hook to be involved with just Sam and Dean rather than what's going on with dad. Can we find dad? Yes. Like that fell to the wayside. This episode stood on its own legs outside of that initial driver to the plot. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good scene. <laughs> yeah. I really liked it. I like that I forgot it too. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. But this scene wraps up with um, Dean is struggling. He's down on the ground, but he grabs a nearby mirror and he forces it to face Mary. And she pauses and her reflection detaches from her. And she really just starts in on herself, um, how she's killed people. And the judgment that she had been passing on the other people, her victims is now on her and she melts and dissipates. And Dean has a victory smash of the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She is forced to confront her own hypocrisy and whatever was driving her to punish these, these other people it has now been turned onto herself. Yeah. It's what she's guilty of as well. Yeah. Dean makes a quip that this has got to be like 600 years bad luck, huh? Mm -hmm. All those broken mirrors. Yeah. But now it is time for the final scene. We have Sam and Dean driving up to drop Charlie off at her house. And um, Sam takes a final chance to assure her that it's really over and um he tells her to try and forgive herself sometimes bad things just happen and dean agrees kind of looking at sam in particular and being like yeah that's good advice huh (laughs) right man i'm like oh dean oh sweet summer child you've you've got sam here reassuring jill uh like charlie that's what i said (laughs) reassuring charlie like it's a lessons learned a job well done he's he's patting himself on the shoulder he's a good big brother he he feels that sam is sam himself is almost ready to let go of his own blame yeah i don't think that's the case No, no. Like, he thinks if Sam can say this, then it means Sam has taken it to heart. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, Sam is a very compassionate character, and he is just thinking about reassuring Charlie before they go. Right. Um, He himself, you can tell, like, that is not a lesson that has scratched the surface. Yes. Yeah, especially with the very final um, shot of this episode. But yeah. yeah, they say goodbye to Charlie and they're driving away and Dean now that it's all over, he wants to know what that secret is that Sam was keeping. I want you to tell me, he says. Yeah. And Sam is very thoughtful here. He's like, you know, you're my brother and I would die for you, but there are things I need to keep to myself. And I'm like, wow, healthy boundaries. <laughs> Maybe like not 
on the right subject, but points for effort? Like, <laughs> y'all are going to forget these lessons real fucking quick. <laughs> Supernatural. Yeah. And as they drive away, Sam looks outside the window and he sees Jessica in a white dress standing outside and um, she's looking at him, but she disappears as they drive away. So he's very much still haunted by his guilt. Yes. Yeah. Here we are at the end, Remy. That's the end. And that's the episode. Yeah. yeah. Remy, what's your final takeaways? Oh, what's my final takeaway? Um, I don't know. I want to be real. I want to be like, I want to be real about my final takeaways, but really, 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 really the, one of the main things that I was thinking about watching this episode was I have never seen a more charmed-esque episode of Supernatural than (laughs) I'm watching right now with Bloody Mary. Um, I thought it was very WB this episode. (laughs) See, I never was of that era. I didn't get to watch any of those. So I'm just like, this was a very busy episode. Uh-huh. I do like the plot. Um, There are definitely some loopholes, um, plot holes, mirror holes. Um, But overall, I do really like it. And I do like that, you know, it's so much of a busy episode that you forget the big reveal if you haven't uh-huh. seen it often. And then it's a nice little kick when it happens. Yeah, yeah. Definitely I can cite that moment as the kick in the nuts it needed to really get my ears perked up. And and it opened up so many doors just with one secret revealed. And it was really, it was a really effective hook. So I could appreciate that. Agreed. Another thing, another takeaway from this episode that really tickled my pickle was, I'm sorry for all the dick jokes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Remy, you may as well have like slapped me in the face. The fuck is that? so sorry oh my god i feel like a scandalized 1950s housewife like i've never felt this scandal i'm so sorry i'm so sorry okay um i regretted okay. it as soon as i said it but I tell that's a thing that happened guys i really liked i feel so dirty i really liked (laughs) that this episode i was very much the two-sided theater mask uh with (laughs) the bloody mary theme for this episode because on the one hand it's like oh my god bloody mary really we're going like full urban legend like yeah they even had a little bit of self-awareness to be like, oh, it's Bloody Mary. Like, yeah, this is people not... do this and they're fine. <laughs> right. This is not some random 
spirit that's haunting a house like this is bloody mary and we're hunting bloody mary apparently uh so i i did enjoy that i thought that was funny but i also enjoyed on the other hand that this was the inception of sam and dean winchester legend destroyers (laughs) killers of gods they're, I, we're really honestly just heartbroken that there was never a Mothman episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, the the urban mm. the urban legend evolves to be like, yeah, have you heard of Bloody Mary? Yeah, wasn't she killed by the guy who like <laughs> shot up a bank that one time? They're like, yeah, our known federal like <laughs> FBI top 10 wanted they were just like yeah fuck her in particular (laughs) destroyers of legends Sam and Dean Winchester episode 5 y'all my takeaway I just keep going back to that bit about Dean being worried about the money Um, I like how we had Dean researching on Sam's laptop and like saying he was expanding the search to be nationwide. We saw him have, you know, the savvy to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I just like seeing the charm he tries pouring on that fucking Paris Hilton line that just haunts me. <laughs> like, what were you doing? What does it mean? What does it mean? Yeah. There's a lot of little tidbits, little bits of treasure in this episode. I really like it. I'll admit, he had a very practiced uh, come-hither face. Yes. Uh, I, 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 I stuck my nose up a bit about the Paris Hilton quip, though. Aww. But, you know, 2005. Yeah, I mean, it was what they had. <laughs> so. Yeah. And Sam, I'm sorry that neither of us chose your psychic reveal as the final well, takeaway. you know, it feeds into, like, the big reveal being one of those cool things yeah. that... I feel like we've already fanned praise in that direction there. It really did make him a very... Like, all of a sudden, there's a new facet to his character yeah. that became really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. And it'll become a lot more relevant later on. So... Mm-hmm. And we're excited to see where that goes. Yes. So, if you guys want to see where that goes, you should join us next week when we cover Season 1, Episode 6, Skins. Not Skins. Skins. No, just Skin. The singular skin. It's a good episode. Another banger. Oh, yeah. Poof. Yeah, that's really exciting. Thank you guys for tuning in this week, and we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Absolutely. If you guys want to hit us up, then you can at us on Twitter or tag us on Tumblr, visit our website, and like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are hearing us. We'd love to see your guys' comments, and uh, join us on our Season 1 Rewatch. Yes. See you guys. Yeah. See you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
if you guys want to hit us up, you can add us on Twigger. 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 <laughs> Where you send out twigs. If you guys want to hit us up, you can add us on Twim. Twi- <laughs> Twimbler. <laughs> I think I Maybe found. Genius. I think I found her after credits. <laughs> okay. Oh. <gasps>